Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from iLikeYou.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at iLikeYou.com. Now, let's get started. Hi everyone, welcome to Hugh at Home, I'm Tracy Koga. Have you ever fantasized yourself in a movie? Maybe Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman, or Jodie Foster in any one of her movies? Well, our first guest on Hugh at Home may be living one in real life. I'll sit down with Dr. Joss Reimer. She's medical lead for Manitoba's Vaccine Implementation Task Force. Dr. Reimer is in the spotlight as all eyes are on her to show us the light at the end of the tunnel. The only problem is, this movie doesn't have an ending quite yet. Hello, Dr. Joss Reimer. Thank you so much for taking time and welcome to Hugh at Home. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> In this day of virtual. Um, and just before my intro to you, uh, it was almost uh, like living a real life movie, I think, for you a little bit. Uh, these last, I don't know, months that we've been living. Um, no, nobody could have predicted this. And I guess my first question to you, Dr. Reimer, is I guess your own personal journey on how you've become to be the medical lead for Manitoba's Vaccine Implementation Task Force. That's a mouthful of a title, too. <laughs> I know, isn't it? Uh, you know, I, I, like you, really didn't have predict this and certainly didn't know that I was going to end up <laughs> Sorry, having a computer issue there. Apologize. That's all right. I uh, certainly didn't uh, predict that I would be in the role that I am. So this was all quite unexpected. I mean, thankfully, public health docs, as part of our training, we do uh, mm -hmm. emergency preparedness, and part of that is pandemic preparedness. So you know, we never hope that we have to use those skills, uh, but I think all of us do feel that we've been trained well to respond in this situation. Um, but my journey, I guess I don't know where, where you want me to start, how far back we're talking here, but um, you know, I started off in obstetrics and gynecology and mm -hmm. switched into public health uh, because I really wanted uh, to be able to prevent a lot of the things that I kept seeing over and over again in, in the clinic, in the hospital, um, and, and wanted to be able to, to make the world a better place. And, and public health seemed like a great way to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so throughout uh, my training, I was really inspired by all of the, the medical officers of health that I work with. Um, vaccines are part of our bread and butter in public health. So spent a lot of time learning about vaccines and vaccine rollout. Um, and since I've been working as a medical officer, I, I've become the, the medical director of public health for Winnipeg. 
Uh, and I think it's probably uh, around that leadership role that uh, brought me into the, the forefront of uh, the, the selection for leading this incredibly uh, important and massive uh, vaccine rollout campaign that we're doing. Well, and I mean, and it changes constantly, uh, probably. Uh, am I correct, uh, Dr. Reimer, too? And, um, you know, the types of vaccines, you know, and all the information out there. Let's talk a little bit now about the vaccines. Um, all of the ones that are out there, and I guess maybe dispel any of the myths. And obviously, you know, you've seen that and heard that, whether in the news or in social media. And, and how much has social media been a hindrance or a help in all of this? Yeah, I mean, social media can be both helpful and harmful, depending on, on where people are getting their information from. Um, and so we do try to use social media to reach people because there's there's many people who are not watching the, the press conferences uh, and who don't maybe read the newspaper regularly. So we do need to, to use multiple mechanisms. Um, but I, I agree, there's a lot of myths out there. Um, you know, some of the things that we hear often um, are fears that, the vaccines can change your DNA, which they absolutely cannot do. Um, I wonder, I mean, it might be helpful if I explain how they mm -hmm. do work so that people can see that they can't do that. Um, so normally, when you have a, an infection with a virus, the virus enters your body and the proteins on the outside of the virus get recognized as foreign by your immune system. And so your body starts to create this army of antibodies that can recognize that protein. So if it ever comes again, they're ready and can fight it off right away. And most vaccines work the same way by either introducing uh, a weak or a dead form of the virus, or even they chop it up and just give you a piece of the virus, which is the protein. Uh, and then the immune system still sees that as foreign and builds up that army. But these vaccines work a little differently and they're really smart new technology where what they do is they send in what's called messenger RNA, which is like a, almost a recipe card or instructions. And those get sent into your body, they go into your cells and your cell reads it and starts to produce those proteins itself so that it, the proteins that are made in your cell then get recognized as foreign by your immune system. So we're not actually injecting any part of the real virus at all. It's just that little instruction sheet that teaches your cell how to make those proteins temporarily so that we can trigger that whole immune response. So it's really interesting, but because it has the term RNA in it, people get worried that it's gonna impact their DNA. And it doesn't go anywhere near your DNA at all. It's just that little recipe card that your cell can read and then create a factory to make more proteins. Uh, and that recipe card gets broken down quite quickly. So this is a temporary thing, just long enough that your immune system can create that army so that if the virus ever does show up, uh, the proteins on the virus are, are the same as the ones that your cell made. And so your immune system goes like, ah, I've seen those before and is ready to fight it. Interesting. So then why do you need two shots? So the second shot's really helpful because it boosts the immune system. It's like a, a reminder and helps your body go, yeah, no, I do recognize this. And it can build an even stronger army the second time it gets exposed to the virus. Um, and we also know that these boosters, these second shots, tend to help the immune system to last longer as far as its ability to fight. So, you know, as time goes by, maybe the immune system doesn't remember quite as much, that army gets smaller. And then when we boost with a second dose, 
it's like a reminder that no, this is a real thing that you need to be ready for. And it gives that additional um, stress on your immune system to, to remain immune to that virus for a longer period of time. Wow. I mean, this is so good to know and so much more reassuring. And actually, I just want to add that right after this interview, I am going for my vaccination, my first shot. Congratulations. (laughs) So, yes, and I'm getting the Pfizer one. Um, Okay, so let's go now to this whole uh, conversation and conflict of people not wanting the vaccine when you have just explained this all, and it makes it very clear that we should all be vaccinated. Yeah, and obviously, you know, I've had the chance to be trained for many years on how to read the scientific literature. And so, you know, I feel so confident in the benefits of this vaccine to save lives, to prevent you from ending up in the hospital and to get us back to whatever our new normal Mm -hmm. will be. Um, But people, don't have that same opportunity. I mean, they, they're not going to go to school for 13 years to, to try to get to that. And people really are making what they believe are the best choices for their own health. Nobody's refusing the vaccine because they don't want what's best for themselves or their family. And so it's really important that when we're talking to people who are hesitant, that we're approaching it with that understanding and, and empathy that all of us want what's best. And so I just want to give people the tools that they need to feel confident in the vaccine because I know that they want what's best for themselves and their families and their communities. And so we need to work really hard uh, as public health to make sure people do feel confident that this is what's best for them and for their families and their communities. Um, Because we've had that opportunity to look at all of that science and and we just wanna be able to share it in a way that makes sense to the public so they also can have that confidence. Yeah, now I'm, through all of this, uh, Dr. Reimer, what has surprised you most about the disease itself, about COVID, and then also human nature? I mean, you know, especially right now what's happening, you know, people don't want restrictions, they don't want to wear a mask, they don't want the vaccine. Probably, I mean, obviously you're prepared for this too as well. Yeah, I mean, about the disease itself, I think the biggest surprises were the fact that children were so low risk Mm -hmm. um, because usually when it's flu season or cold season uh, (laughs) that your, your kid who's in daycare, that's the the highest risk person that can give you a cold for sure. Um, So we didn't expect that kids would be less likely to get infected and less likely to transmit to others. So that's been a really pleasant surprise that, Mm -hmm. that they're so much less likely, especially because a lot of them can't follow public health guidance. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you can't ask a toddler to wear a mask. They, they can't do it. Um, so that's been wonderful, but certainly a surprise. Likewise, people who are immunocompromised haven't been experiencing very severe health outcomes related to COVID like they do for other viruses. So that was also a pleasant surprise. Um, but this, I mean, however many people were experiencing the severe outcomes was the less pleasant surprise. I mean, we've obviously seen people in hospital. We've seen the the scary stories from other countries where their systems were overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's, it's been a lot of stressful new information, um, even if there were some of those uh, glimmers of hope with some of the folks that we thought would be impacted and weren't, at least not as much as we would have expected. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, looking at uh, how people respond, um, you know, we know that there's always a huge variety of perspectives on how we should work together as a community and, and what's 
most important. So I don't think it was a surprise that we saw that here as well. Um, we get regular um, contact from many people in the public pushing on all sides of the restrictions. And anyway, my email is full of people saying you need to shut down and full of people saying, you know, you need to let me open my business. And so it's, these are really challenging decisions where it weighs very heavily on public health to have to make those really difficult decisions about potentially impacting someone's livelihood mm -hmm. in order to save someone's life. And th these are not easy. And I know Dr. Lucen uh, takes it very seriously every time he has to make a, a new rule. Well, like I can imagine for both you and Dr. Rusin. So maybe personally, Dr. Reimer, how have you coped through all of this? Um, you know, I mean, we, we know that mental health issues are in the forefront, uh, but for you being right there and, and making dis hard decisions, like you said, um, how have you coped through this? Yeah, I mean, this has certainly been one of the hardest, uh, well, probably the hardest part of the, my career I've ever uh, faced. Um, and I'm so thankful to have such a supportive team that I work with, uh, the other medical officers of health, the public health nurses, the managers, like all of them working so incredibly hard and providing that support, support to each other is, is what helps you get through the day. Uh, and certainly support from my family as well, being able to, to come home and relax with people who love and support you is, is something that I, I um, can't value greatly enough. Um, and then I, just for my own uh, clarity of mind, try to stay as physically active as I can. There's not a lot of free time in this job, but uh, trying to get out for early morning runs and bike rides or late night, uh, just get like, out with the dog as much as I possibly can, uh, helps me clear my mind a little bit and get ready for the next day. Oh my goodness, and do you have to wear a disguise when you go out so people don't recognize you and start uh, bombarding you with questions? Yeah, I mean, that was one of the, the <laughs> least expected parts of my whole life was to be recognized while I was out for a run. So that has happened, but uh, I never would have thought that would be my new life. Uh, well, and looking at uh, what you were before, you mentioned working with public health and because you cared and wanted to make a difference. Um, this COVID-19 and the pandemic really has opened everybody's eyes to the discrepancies. Um, to the people that have and the people that have not, um, you know, whether it's to be able to self-isolate or they live in a communal home or whether they don't have internet or all of these things that have sort of come into play. What changes do you think will happen to our public health system once we get into some sort of new normal? Yeah, I mean, what you, you really point out uh, something that uh, sometimes gets overlooked because we'll talk about how we're all in this together, but mm -hmm. really the experiences that people have are, are so different uh, and we're not all going through the same pandemic together. So, you know, it's, I would never complain about my experience uh, in this pandemic. It's been a lot of hard work, but I have job security, I have health, um, and so I'm not facing the same stresses that people who have lost their jobs people who can't take time off if they're mm -hmm. a close contact and so have to struggle with following a public health order or losing income that they need in order to feed their family that week. Um, and so it's, it is really different for different people what they're experiencing. Um, people are losing loved ones. Uh, and you know, I've had family members be infected, but not, my family members have 
not uh, become so severely ill that we've had to deal with that in my immediate family. And so, you know, it's it's not the same pandemic for all of us. And public health, um, we're going to have to do a lot of work coming out of this to try to support the people who were so greatly impacted uh, negatively by a lot of both the infection and the transmission, but also by the, the public health measures that we used. Um, you know, they are a necessary tool to save lives, but they're not without harms themselves. Um, and so we're going to have to start to think about how do we support people who lost income, who lost family members, um, who got in trouble because they couldn't follow public health orders. You know, this, is, this is a lot of long-term work that we're gonna need to do to support our communities. Yes. And then I guess moving forward, can you give us a guesstimate on mm. what hopefully our new normal will be? Well, I mean, uh, one of the, the things we're starting to see that's really encouraging is that uh, since we've been 18 plus for vaccine eligibility in the north, mm -hmm. we're already seeing the numbers come down. The rest of the province is going up in this third wave, but northern Manitoba is not. And so that's so exciting to see that the vaccines you know, are starting to move us in the right direction. Um, and so once we get a lot of Manitobans immunized, we'll be able to start moving back on some of those public health orders and start getting to spend time face to face with our friends and families. Um, but it's not gonna be just a sudden switch and, and back to, to pre-COVID. Uh, it's gonna be a little while before we start having big uh, events and and there's going to have to be conversations around how we can run those big events in the future. Um, I think one of the good things I hope that sticks from this pandemic is that people stay home when they're sick. It really there was a lot of pressure at jobs to work even if you're sick, and I don't think that pressure is going to exist the same way uh, at least in the near future that uh, people feel they have to go to work even when they're sick for most people. Um, and so, you know, I haven't had a cold since, you know, it's probably been a year now. Uh, and that's been wonderful to not <laughs> have uh, had to have a cold. And so hopefully that's one of those things that becomes a new normal that we that we respect sick time and that we make sure that people have paid sick time uh, because we want to make sure that they can stay home when they're sick in a way that protects them and protects their families. Um, you know, I think masks aren't going to go away immediately. Um, and we'll, we'll have to figure out how those integrate into new society. And maybe it'll be more like what we've seen in some Asian countries where people wear them when they're in close proximity or when they have uh, an illness um, as opposed to all the time. So lots of, lots of things that might be different uh, and we'll have to wait and see exactly how all of this lands. Oh, well, it certainly has been, you know, definitely a, a, a learning experience both for personal and also as a, as a citizen. Um, for you, Dr. Reimer, I know we're not out of it yet, but what have you learned personally about yourself that you didn't know beforehand going into this? Oh, yeah, that's a tough question. It's hard to even take a moment to, to self-reflect these days. <laughs> it's uh, so much of the uh, go, go, go. Um, but I mean, I hope that um, I, I learned a bit about my own resiliency to be able to keep working. You know, mm -hmm. people have uh, very strong feelings about the actions that we do. And, and so to be able to keep working hard um, when people are not happy with some of the public health responses, um, 
is something I've learned that I'm able to do. Um, but also making sure that I'm hearing people and listening and, and learning from their experiences so that, you know, we, we weigh out uh, the perspectives that people in Manitoba have with all of these decisions as well. So, yeah, I think um, I'm learning that I can't wait uh, to someday get to have a vacation again, but uh, I don't know when that'll be. <laughs> well, and I must say that your Spanish and your French are amazing. <laughs> You're the first person I've ever seen on a media conference that did all three languages. So I think that's another thing you've learned about yourself. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, uh, the French is for me even harder than the Spanish. So I've spent some time living in a few different countries where I uh, lived with families and learned the language from them. So I have to uh, really thank them for their patience when I was learning those languages. But uh, um, I really, uh, especially when I'm talking about topics like uh, barriers because of language access, I wanted to use every skill that I could to communicate with people as much as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, and if I can say it in Spanish, then why wouldn't I offer that? Because if it can reach one extra person who doesn't speak English or French, um, then I want to do that. So I um, really worked with uh, the communications team to find ways to integrate uh, the Spanish as well as the French. Because we know, especially as the temporary foreign workers are starting to arrive in Manitoba, mm -hmm. there's quite a few Spanish speakers who may not uh, speak a lot of English, but we still want to get them immunized. So I want to reach those folks, and hopefully the Spanish helps. Oh, definitely. Well, you know what? Thank you so much for spending this time with us, uh, Dr. Reimer. Uh, we're all behind you. We praise you and Dr. Rusin and all the work and your team are doing, and we know that we are protected. And you can go to the website protectmb.ca and book your appointment and find out all, you, all the information you need on the vaccines. Thank you so much, Dr. Reimer. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Welcome back to Hugh at Home. Coming up, we'll have another Verde Salon segment. This time, stylist Catherine will tame those curly locks of yours and make a beautiful tousled mane. But first, our life coach, Linda Dristowicz, does what moms do best, tell us stories for comfort. Hey everyone, how are you doing? I'm really happy to be here. I wanted to talk about something that I love to talk about, which is storytelling. And I wanted to, in particular, focus on how we use stories to comfort ourselves. And I'll give you an example of something that just happened recently that's been really wonderful in my life. As some of you may know, my mother passed away recently. And right before her viewing, which is, of course, an extremely difficult moment, my daughters and I decided to go to the cemetery where my dad is buried. And we got coffees. We have the dog. It wasn't uh, a particularly um, somber event. We just went. They're teenagers. We were talking about all sorts of things, wandering around, looking at different uh, gravestones and really it was just quite a lovely moment and as we were leaving my daughter Lucy who's 15 she noticed two Canadian geese flying overhead and she said oh look mom it's it's grandma and papa she said it very matter of fact and it was really beautiful it was the three of us looked up and we were like it is grandma and papa and in that moment we created a story that gave us comfort and it let us think of my parents being together. It let us think of 
um, their my mother's spirit being uh, transformed into a different energy. Uh, we were able to create even that symbol of geese to remind us of my parents. All of this happened very quickly. And what I loved afterwards was that it gave us something very beautiful to hold on to as we faced, you know, diff difficult stages in the grieving process. But what was also wonderful was that I wrote this story on my social media and so many people reached out to say, I see my stepfather in every rainbow. You know, I see my father in whenever I see a mallard duck. I see my mother every time I see a butterfly. Every time I see um, a hummingbird, I think of my mom and my sister. It was this beautiful sharing of everyone's stories that they've created that give them meaning and give them comfort during a really difficult time. And that carries you through past the difficult time and gives you that strength knowing that you have that ability to tap into that connection in your heart to those memories, to that person, uh, to the beauty of nature, to our own strength, our own resilience. And so I just want you to remind you, to, you know, look at where you do that in your own life right now and think about something that you've already done to create a story that gives you comfort. And if you haven't, it's as simple as choosing something and noticing it. And that's really is the power of this. It's the just the power of noticing something, taking a moment and creating that connection in our heart. Uh, to our loved one, to our uh, someone who's gone before us. And it really can be an incredibly uh, beautiful gift. So look how you do it in your own life right now. And if you're looking for something, uh, go for a walk and see if there's something that speaks to you and create a story that gives you comfort. Looking to highlight your hairstyle with some glitz and glamour? Well, you'll love Birch Accessories. They are unique in design and quality without the high-end price. Express your personal style to the world with these beautiful and affordable pieces. Order online at verdesalon.ca or birchaccessories.ca and use NEW10 for 10% off your first order. Hi guys, today I'm gonna to be showing you my curly hair routine. I like to start out with our Nutriplenish leave-in conditioner and then brush that through. I find it works really great as a detangler, so I like to put it in before I brush through my hair. Then after that, I part my hair where it wants to naturally lay. I like to move my hair around so I can see where my curls want to sit on their own. Then I use the Femoleant Styling Foam. I like it because it helps to set my curls. It really does give them a lot of shine as well. Next, I use the Be Curly Curl Enhancer. I like to use quite a bit of this product. I find it enhances my curls really nicely so they don't all just stick together in a clump. It gives them a really nice PC look as well. Then after that, I use what's left of my hand on my hands of the Curl Enhancer 
and define the curl just by twisting the curls in the direction that they naturally want to sit. Then after that, I go and use my diffuser. You want to have it on the medium heat setting just so it doesn't get super hot on your curls. And you want to try not to touch the curls as much as possible. I'll go through and scrunch them up a little bit in between using the diffuser. And I want to dry my hair 75 to 80%. I like to flip my hair over too just to get really close to the root just to give myself a lot of volume. Then after that, I just run my hands through and move my root around a little bit just to give it some volume and that's it. Welcome back to Hue at Home. Troubadour Jeffrey Straker would by now probably have traveled across Canada twice performing his new works. But unfortunately, this year, it is again virtual. Jeffrey will be making a stop in Winnipeg on May 12th in support of the West End Cultural Centre. You can go to wecc.ca for all the details. I recently caught up with Jeffrey, virtually of course, and he talks very openly about the passing of his mother. I want to give a very warm Winnipeg welcome, although... Jeffrey, it's snowing today in Winnipeg. But anyways, a warm Winnipeg welcome to you, Jeffrey Straker. Uh, COVID has not been uh, uh, one iota of a difference for you. It sounds like you've been busy making it, music, making music, <laughs> making music. <laughs> making music and music, making yeah. all of it. Uh, you, well, so first of all, um, you can hopefully keep your snow in Winnipeg. It's a cool day here in Regina. Uh, I think we're supposed to warm up to like about seven or something. So spring's coming. I'm being optimistic here. So that's good. But um, the you're right. I have been really busy. I, I, I've been releasing a whole bunch of singles off what will soon to be a, a full album that I'm going to release. And um planning an online tour because that's what COVID lets us do these days is go touring online. So here we are. <laughs> well, and I take it too. your lovely living room in Regina is now converted to a wonderful recording studio. So, you know, and it's not sort of unlike where I am too. I've converted my basement into a small little TV studio so I can still connect and spread the word on, on all, what all of these Canadian artists are doing. Um, I guess let's start with you, how this has all unfolded and I know it I guess really starts with a, a tragedy and and I'm really sorry to hear about the loss of your mother so that's I yeah, think that, when th this new album did really sort of um a lot of it came from sadly from the loss of mom um she passed away really suddenly and really unexpectedly uh you know with sort of no advance warning if you will uh two years and three months ago and mm -hmm. When you lose someone that close, I mean, I'm able to finally talk about it without bawling my head off. But when you, you know, because you, ha I've had a lot of time to process this. But when you lose someone that close, people who have lost someone that close will know you're thrown into a lot of like the grieving process throws you into quite a turmoil. And you look at your own, like you, 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 you look at, of course, all the memories you have with that person. But then you also part of that is looking at your own self, and mm -hmm. you, you look at sort of like where where you've come from and where you're headed because you're you're really hit with this um real 
poignant sort of notion of mortality, not to get too profound about it, but you really are. And I, and you know, you go through the, the questioning and the, the, the grieving and you, you reach, you have some sort of revelations and reach some sort of resolution. And luckily for me, I came out of all that process with, I landed on gratitude. You know, I landed on the notion of being really thankful for the person that I had for the time that I had her. Um, because she was a wonderful, wonderful mom. And uh, that has sort of informed this recording, like all the songs on it, you know? Yeah. Well, and you know what? It, and everybody's journey is, is so different. And I just want to say that I am so happy personally that it has been a positive one for you because I know that, you know, for some people it, it isn't a positive mm -hmm. journey. And like you said, you kind of have to look at it as a blessing, as something, a gift. Uh, you know, to have known her, to for her to love you and, and share, you know, her life experiences with you. And so I know this has inspired your work. How is this album different than some of your rest or previous works? It, it's it, it, for sure. It's more personal. Like mm -hmm. a lot of my past records and there, even before mom passed away, there was an evolution in my songwriting to go from having the lens be pointed outwards and I was often writing about other characters and other people and places and being an observer and a chronicler and over time probably because we're all getting older aren't we that the, the lens has turned inwards and I've been a lot more introspective and sort of chronicling inner things and so what happened with the passing of mom on this recording is by and large the songs are just far more personal because she was like like her passing was almost like this catalyst to dig deeper. And I've always wanted to dig deeper and I've been trying to dig deeper and I've been been going deeper, but with her being gone, it just made me sort of almost fall deeper. And as a result, the songs are just a lot more personal, you know? Um, and I like the ones that, I like the past songs I wrote in the past that were like, you know, observing other people. And, and they went over really well with audiences at shows, but I really, I really hope and I feel these ones will also be received well, just like, they also chronicle, just they're pointed in a different way, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, and I'll ask you this then, interesting, because, and I kind of remember your songs you're like that, like called you like a troubadour, a traveling man that, you know, would tell these stories. And that does relate so well to a live audience. We're going to be talking now about your virtual tour, which I know a lot of artists are doing. Will this record be probably mean more? because you are virtual, because it's just you, you're not in front of a live audience and you have that chance to be really personal, I think could be very powerful virtually. I, I, I hope so. I mean, um, it is the, the whole, <clears throat> the, this whole doing shows online when there's no one in the room um, is a really tricky sort of hurdle for live for people mm -hmm. who make their living as a live performing musician because that performance is not one dimensional from the stage into sort of an abyss there's an exchange of energy as as, as you would know versus like having someone in your studio versus doing these things over a camera i mean there's an exchange of energy that happens there um when, when there's an audience now with with no audience you you literally are sort of left with putting something out there and i and i and to your point i actually never really thought of this until you said it but that's a really neat observation that these songs are coming from such a deeper place it probably will help them um you know transport uh through this you know virtual sort of 
means that that I mean now you're going to make me watch for it. When I'm doing this. <laughs> but but it, no, that, that it's it's a really interesting point. I I, ho- I hope that does happen because they are coming from a much deeper place. Yeah, I mean, and and it's hard to do because um, I you know, I know too or whatever. If you're doing a live show, you get that energy. I know off the audience, and that sort of is your adrenaline, right, to move and and to be even more energetic. Um, let's talk now the whole process about the virtual tour. And, and of course, you're going to be coming to Winnipeg, I believe May 12th, at the That's West right. End Cultural Center. So how is that all going to work, Jeffrey? Well, there's a, there's a, so the stage is actually in Regina, mm-hmm. and so the performance happens in Regina, um, and, then I've, and, and then I've partnered with six venues across the country to sort of go on this virtual tour, and it starts on April 30th in Calgary with the Calgary Folk Club, winds its way across the country, and, and, and the, the, the Manitoba stop, if you will, is a partnership with the West End Cultural Center, where I've performed in the past mm-hmm. live on their great grand piano. Um, and so, you know, they're promoting the show or, 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 or to, to their um, audience and their listeners. I'm promoting the show to my Winnipeg followers. And hopefully what that does is it allows their listeners, my listeners, to sort of maintain some sort of community around music, even though it's hard to gather around music in this online sense, you know. So um, the stream will happen to people's computers in their homes, but the stage will be in Regina. And and I, and I have these six dates across the country. In reality, anybody can get a ticket to any date, but uh, you know, we're encouraging people um, in uh, in Winnipeg mm-hmm. to, to, to check out the Winnipeg evening, because a portion of the proceeds do go to the West End Cultural Center. Yes, and that's another point too, right? All of these incredible venues with no live music, um, it, it is so sad, and I mean, yes, we're kind of looking at our probably third lockdown, but the music venues have all been closed anyways throughout this. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey, and we will see light at the end of the tunnel, where do you think your first show will be? What will it look like? Live. Once the pandemic's done, ah, oh, you know you know what's really odd? I've actually not even thought of this, because I'm in that, I mean, well, here's the thing. This After I do this virtual tour um, in May, this summer, I do have live shows booked. I've actually got 40 of them booked, but they're they're in backyards. So what pe- people have leaned forward and they've crossed mm-hmm. their fingers and thought, okay, we'll probably be able to have gatherings of 30 outdoors this summer. So a lot of my fans from my social media pages have reached out to me, and it's over 40 now, have booked these backyard shows. So my first shows are going to be in backyards. And people have reached out to me right from the Okanagan to the eastern townships of Quebec. So, you know, touch wood, we can travel. If not, there's a whole heap of them in Saskatchewan if we can't go anywhere. So I've sort of hedged, <laughs> sort of protected all the, the options. But those will be the first shows. And then really, hopefully by the fall, like, you know, I, I don't, I hope I'm not speaking at a turn, but I, at least it's my hope that some smaller audiences will be allowed in venues and then hopefully by december i know a lot of larger venues in canada are now booking big shows for december really have you been Mm -hmm. back have you been vaccinated yet i this is the sad story my vaccination day was yesterday and they ran out of vaccine oh are you serious oh my goodness i have to wait i have to wait for two weeks no oh are you vaccinated uh, not yet, but they've uh, lowered it. Uh, yeah, they've lowered it to 40, right? In in Saskatchewan too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yes. So I'm booking and uh, might just go and get it. You know, instead of going to get the super done. site. I don't know. We've been having this whole big conversation. 
<laughs> Vaccines, <laughs> music, I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. But anyways, you are going to play us a song, so... Yeah. What will it be? I'm going to play you a song. It's the waltz off my record. It's called Play That Song Again. And it's a really, the reason I'll play this one is it's quite a reflective song. And to me, it sort of captures the spirit of the rest of the record. It it looks back and it sort of takes stock, um, but, you know, and sort of examines the past, but it lands on an optimistic note and is, and is, is happy to be, you know, happy to have taken that glance to the past and is content where it ends up. Oh, well, how beautiful. What a great ending. It's so good to see you again, Jeffrey. And everybody, check out his concerts online. He's going to be at the West End Cultural Center May 12th. Every now and then, I look at your picture in a frame. You're the one I got drunk on. Kept drinking anyway. You turned down my senses like some old radio tuned them in. You helped me let them go. Held on for all I was worth and I let go again. I've tried to remember and I've tried to forget. Let me lost in my own body, from my head down to my toes. Play that song again, show me how it goes. You took me prisoner, left me on death row. The voice in my head said, I told you so.
still hear your voice and yet speaking to me. We're dancing round and round in the arms deep. I remember the music the first time so soft and slow. Play that song again. Show me. I want to give a big special thank you to all of our guests on today's show and leave you with this question. What event will you go to as soon as you're vaccinated? Will it be a sporting event or maybe a concert? We want to know, so send us an email to hello at ilikehugh.com or message us on Facebook and Instagram at ilikehugh. But for now, stay safe and stay healthy. And we'll see you next time on Hugh at Home. Listening. This has been a production of iLikeQ.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com. 
Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.